Maxwell House Coffee presents Good News of 1940. Edward Arnold, ladies and gentlemen, welcoming you to another hour of good news, brought to you by the makers of Maxwell House Coffee, and starring Fanny Bryce, Hanley Stafford, Connie Boswell, George Houston, and Meredith Wilson and his orchestra. As an added extra special treat, tonight's program, which is the 100th anniversary of good news, we present movie night, including a special preview of Darrell F. Zanuck's great 20th Century Fox production, Little Old New York in which you will hear Alice Faye, Richard Green, Brenda Joyce, and an all-star cast. In short, I think you can see that tonight is really a gala occasion. I feel sure that Meredith Wilson has prepared an opening number which will have some special significance. Is my suspicion correct, Meredith? You guessed it, Eddie boy. Had a pretty tough time deciding just what number would do her, but I got her. <laughs> well, perhaps you'd like to tell us about how you chose her. Okay. Well, in the first place, on account of our 100th anniversary... I felt we ought to have something that tied up definitely with the idea of a hundred. So I said to myself, by Tizzy, what we ought to play is some great composer's opus a hundred. By Tizzy? Yes. I see. <laughs> so I looked up Tchaikovsky and Beethoven and Haydn and a couple of the other top notches that got up to a hundred, and uh, there wasn't anything that seemed to hit me just right. Reaching kind of high, huh? Yes. Yeah, I see. At a time like this, what good is a piano sonata? <laughs> well, I think you're right. Well, I mulled over some popular stuff like a hundred to one... And a hundred years from today, uh -huh. and I wasn't getting anywhere, so I just said to myself, well, what the rip? The song don't have to be about a hundred, <laughs> as long as the sentiment is right. Uh, sure. So I got to thinking about how we're all pals together on the program, and we've been together a long time, so forth, so forth, so forth, one thing and another. And so forth. <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden it hit me. Popular song, everybody knows it, it's current, just the song. All right, Meredith, what is it? We're all together now. Shall I play it? Yes, for heaven's sake, go on, play it. Okay. And, uh, fellas, if you could try to play it together. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, here's Fanny Bryce's Baby Snooks. Daddy, played by Hanley Stafford, has made a bargain with Snooks. He told her if she behaved perfectly for an entire week, she could have a pony. By some miracle, Snooks behaved. 
And so we find them both at the Riding Academy, where Daddy intends to make the purchase. Listen. Hurry up, Daddy. Now, just take it easy, Snooks. And you're going to buy me the pony? Yes, I'll buy you the pony. I promise you I would. But there's no use buying the first pony we look at. Why? Well, the man may try to palm off some worthless animal. Do you want me to buy a cat in the bag? <laughs> What's the matter? He said you were going to buy me a pony. I know I did. Well, I don't want no cats. I'm not going to buy any cats. I just want to be sure we get a healthy pony, that's all. Is it going to be a real life one, Daddy? Yes. <laughs> can I ride it? Yes, you can ride it. Look, how would you like a milk-white pony? <laughs> can I milk it? <laughs> Whoever heard of such nonsense, you can milk a pony. Why? Because you milk cows. Buy me a cow. Now listen, Snooks. Before I talk to this man, I want to be sure you don't drive me crazy. Are you positive you want a pony? Positive. And will you promise to be good for a whole year? I promise. All right. Let's walk around the stables and look him over. All right. Look at Daddy. What is it? There's a man building a horse. Building a horse? Uh-huh. He's nailing on the feet. Oh, silly. He's a blacksmith. How do you know his name? I don't know his name. I said he was a blacksmith. He looks white to me. He is white. Well, why did you say A blacksmith that? is a man who puts shoes on horses. Huh? Before you can ride a horse, he has to be shot. With a gun? No. <laughs> when they put horseshoes on a horse, they say he's shot. Oh, they only say it. Yes. <laughs> but he ain't really shot, is he, Daddy? No, he's not shot. He's shod. If it'll make it any simpler for you, when a horse is shod, he's shooed. When he's shot, he's shooed? Yes. Who shoots him? Nobody shoots anybody. Why? Because it's against the law. And you don't know how lucky you are. Huh? <laughs> Let's look around. Come on, buy me a pony. Now stop hounding me. You haven't even seen a pony yet. Well, what's all those in that? In those stables. They are horses. You're too small to ride a horse. Can you ride a horse, Daddy? Can I ride a horse? Can I ride a horse? Well, can you? Now, listen, young lady. I was practically born in a saddle. I was breaking horses when I was 12 years old. Oh, brother, did I have a seat. What happened to it, Daddy? <laughs> Nothing happened to it. I can rope, jump, anything. I ride just like I'm part of the horse. Which part? Any part. <laughs> as soon as I buy you the pony, I'll give you some real riding lessons. You're good, ain't you, Daddy? You can say that again. You're good, ain't you, Daddy? Oh, come on. Don't get too close to those stall gates. There's a pony, Daddy. Where? In there. With that big horse. Oh, that? Yeah. Oh, that's not a pony. That's the big horse's little baby. She's a mare, and she had a colt. She had a cold? Yes. From that, she got a baby? That's what they call young horses. Colts. Oh, look at the little fella. <laughs> look at his spindly legs. <laughs> Ever see anything like that? Uh-huh. <laughs> Where? When you come out of the shower. <laughs> oh, very funny. You think you're very funny. I think so. Well, I don't. I'm built as nice as anybody. And hereafter, I want you to keep my legs to yourself. Come on and buy me a pony. I've got half a mind to take you home without buying anything. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's go around the back. Where's the owner of this broken-down place, anyway? There he is, Daddy. Hey, mister. Who are you all looking for, honey child? Oh, he's another blacksmith. No, he isn't. He's a groom. What's he holding? A bridle. Huh? The groom is holding a bridle. Are they married? Oh, stop it. I say, boy. Yes, sir? Where's the man who owns the place? You mean Captain DuPont? Mm -hmm. Well, there he is over there with them mules. He's the one wearing a hat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks. Now, come on, Snooks. I'm going to get a pony. I'm going to get a pony. <laughs> oh, here's the man. Excuse me, uh, Captain DuPont? We. Oui? My name is Higgins. How do you do, sir? I am very happy to know you. Comment s'il va? What's he saying, Daddy? Shh. That's French. Oh, quel joli enfant. Uh, this little girl, is he your child? Is it not? Yes, it is. 
We are looking for a pony. We, oui, we. Oui. I have a pony for you, little one. We, we. We. Monsieur Higgins, how much you like to spend? Oh, uh, I figured on spending around twenty-five dollars, Captain. Oh, I see. Uh, little one, how you like a Shetland? We, 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 we. Well, step over this way, please. Here is one. Oh, he's a beauty. How you like him? Hmm. You like him, Snooks? No. He's all bald-headed. Well, right now he's have a little mange. But he will soon have a nice coat. Yeah, he could certainly use a better coat. He could use a better pants, too. <laughs> and let the little girl ride him. Come on, jump on his back. Mm, I'm scared, Daddy. What do you mean you're scared? You want a pony, don't you? Mm-hmm. Well, you'll have to try him out. And you don't have to be afraid with me around. I know all there is to know about riding. Come on, I'll help you mount. All right. Okay. Whee! Now, put your foot in this stirrup. Uh, uh, excuse me, you are putting her on the wrong side. Mm-hmm. Oh, pardon me. Must be a left-handed saddle. <laughs> All right, Daisy. Oh, Daddy. Daddy, he's jumping. Well, don't worry. He's just a little tangled up. What happened? Nothing. The pony just got his foot caught in the stirrup. Mm, take me down. What for? If he's going to get on, I'm going to get off. <laughs> he's all straight now. Take him for a gallop. You will love him. Now, Snooks. Before I buy this pony, I want you to promise me again. What? You must promise me that you'll be good for a whole year. I feel sick, Daddy. Take me off. You feel sick? Yeah. You haven't ridden him yet. I want to get off. Don't you want me to buy the pony? No. All right. Grab hold of me. <clears throat> there. I'm sorry I wasted your time, Captain DuPont. Oh, that is all right. Goodbye. A pair of screwballs. Let's go home quick, Daddy. I don't understand you. When I finally go to buy you the pony you've been yelling for, you don't want it. It makes me feel sick. The thought of riding a pony makes you sick? No, the thought of being good for a whole year. Oh, so that's it. That's it, Daddy. Well, take this for nothing at all. <laughs> now do something. Come on, let's go home. <laughs> Here's Warren Hall, who tells me that today more people are enjoying Maxwell House coffee than ever before in its history. Well, that's right, Eddie. In fact, today, Maxwell House is sold in more stores than any other coffee in America. You see, friends, ever since that time, more than 50 years ago, when Joel Cheek created this famous blend, Maxwell House has made and held millions of friends. And the reason Maxwell House continues to make more friends every day is just this. We've found a way to blend Maxwell House to a new perfection of flavor a full-bodied, mellow flavor that comes from a very special kind of coffee, highland-grown coffees from remote and fertile plantations of Central and South America. And then, to bring out the true natural goodness of this matchless new blend, we've developed a remarkable process called Radiant Roast, a process which uses uniform, penetrating heat to roast each coffee bean evenly all the way through. This way, there's no chance of weak coffee from under-roasting or bitter coffee from parched coffee beans. All the rare and mellow flavor of this superb new blend is brought to its peak in every cup you serve. That's why today more people are enjoying Maxwell House coffee than ever before in its history. That's why wherever you shop, you'll never need go out of your way to find that familiar blue can. So if you haven't tried Maxwell House lately, ask for a pound tomorrow, won't you? Compare it with what you now think is good coffee. We think you'll find new coffee enjoyment in this rich, Deeply satisfying coffee that's now, more than ever, good to the last drop. And now Connie Boswell with a grand song that has nothing to do with a hundred or being together or anything like that. It's just a grand song that's near the top of the hit parade, and I know Connie's going to make it even more popular. Ladies and gentlemen, Connie Boswell sings Careless. Thank you. 
disappointments and think you are small if you're not careful Concert Hall tonight is a special feature of the 100th program of Good News and as a tribute to the 20th Century Fox production of Little Old New York and to New York itself, that fabulous, turbulent, dynamic queen city of the world, our conductor Meredith Wilson has composed an ode to New York with George Houston as the spirit of the metropolis. I've heard it several times in rehearsal, and to me it's one of the most imaginative and thrilling compositions I've heard in years. See what you think. All right, Meredith, an ode to New York. with a thousand moods, 
I am magnificent and dingy, generous and stingy, mighty, feverish, lazy, huge. I am Colossus, anchored in the solid rock, a giant bridge that stands astride the greatest harbor in the world. Beneath each foot, a swarming riverbank, and in between, the river flowing swiftly by. Alive with the traffic from the seven seas. Lo, my little ones. Lo. Whistles blowing, boats are going to and fro. How they flow. Puffing tug and crowded ferry. Coney Island boats so merry. Ocean liners large and roomy. Battle wagons gray and gloomy. Whistling for the right of way. Tramps from London and Bombay. Sailors shouting foreign talk. All ocean boats lead to New York. I am New York. I am all the teeming millions that I draw to me. I am the immigrants who come from far-off lands, from Italy to build my streets, from Germany to brew my ale, from Irish shores to rule my city councils, Spaniard, Pole, Norwegian, Finn, Russian, Greek, and Englishmen. I am their faith and hope, the open gates to liberty, the portals to a new and richer life. Ellis Island. I think they're going to like him, huh? God's sake, don't. He got us, or this is New York. Keep in line, please. I'm looking for Colonel D'Angelo. How about you, mister? Someone coming for you? Yeah, sure. My son. Name, please. Heinrich Ulfeld. Age? Fifty years. But I think I'd not live until today, until I come here to America. I am the native-born American. I am all those others entering through my gates. And once upon my shore, how they lift their eyes in wonder at my shining towers climbing to the skies. Twenty stories, thirty stories, higher, higher. Forty stories, fifty stories, higher, higher. Sixty, seventy stories, stories, higher, higher. Eighty, ninety, stories, stories, higher, higher. Until my buildings touch the skies, a million windows flashing in the sun, and there, far below, at my feet, the narrow canyons that my buildings make. These are my streets, my busy, crowded streets that boil and seethe with restless energy. Human currents like the tide sweeping everything aside. Taxi scooting, horns are tooting. Taxi lady, taxi mister. Buses blaring, drivers glaring. Wait until a bus stops, sister. Trolleys, trucks, and traffic cops. Busy world that never stops. Cleaning, crowding, restless beat. Filling every New York street. Hurry, scurry, never walk on the sidewalks of New York. I am New York. These are my veins, the pulsing streets through which I breathe and live. But deeper still, deep in my breast, the throbbing arteries through which my lifeblood flows, my subways, giant monsters in the earth. Oh, oh. Five minutes every day, every day, every day. Five minutes every day, five minutes, five minutes. People every day, people every day. Nickels every day, five minutes, nickels every day. Every day, every day, five minutes, nickels every day. Every day, every day, every day, every day. Next stop, Hundred Street. Watch the door.
crowding, pushing, jamming, guards are shouting, doors are slamming, ragged tempers, edgy voices heard above the subway noises. Dog push! This train for the Bronx! Train for Brooklyn on the right! Take it easy, must have patience, four more minutes, two more stations, grab a strap and hold it tight, you get a seat tomorrow night. 125th Street next! Here's a pounding air, his musty train is hot and very dusty. Mustn't argue, mustn't bicker. Subway gets you there much quicker. 125th Street, Harlem! Street where elevated trains come rumbling by, past rows of dingy tenements whose naked windows draw the eye to poverty and despair. I tell you, I can't stand it anymore. Oh, now you're just nervous tonight, Mary. The L train never bothered you before. It isn't just the train smoke, it's everything. The noise and the dirt. for the weak. I am for the strong, the builders, the creators. Holland Tunnel, Grand Central Station, George Washington Bridge, museums, churches, industries, colleges, and factories, Rockefeller Plaza, Radio City, the beating heart of me, music, drama, entertainment for a nation, ears for all the world. High in that tower room, a group of men sit Tensely by the panel instruments. Rome, Italy, calling. This is Rome. Come in, Rome. Come in, Rome. Government station, Rome, Italy. His Excellency has announced that this policy of continued neutrality will guide him to speak to you by short wave direct from Paris. Communicate from the Minister of War, search the marginal line. Berlin calling. Berlin calling. This is Berlin calling. At a meeting of the Reichstag tonight, our Führer stated that the sleep. London, England. This is London, England. Come in, London. A special bulletin from the War Office informs us that His Majesty's Navy will stop and search one ship. I am New York, electric with the surge of great events. I hold my finger on the pulse beat of the world. Flashes tonight, headlines tomorrow. Wrist for my giant presses, pounding out the news. News for my millions. News. News. Paper. Want a paper, mister? Sure, son. What's the extra for? The war? Nah, some doll bumped his sugar daddy off. Thanks, I am New York. I am sensation. I am dignity. The tabloids and the morning time. I am squalor and wealth, luxury and poverty. I'm a peddler hawking wares from door to door. And I am Wall Street with a price tag on the world. Takers hammering out quotations, balancing the fate of nations. Wall Street makes, Wall Street breaks. Wall Street gives and Wall Street takes. Build it. Buy it. We'll finance it. Borrow, borrow. We'll advance it. One million bids. Two million asks. Money, 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 money. Four million, six million, eight million, ten. Billions, 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 trillions. Fortunes that would ransom kings traded here like poultry things. Railroads, mines, and factories. Governments and industries. Stocks and bonds and gold adventures. Wall Street rules the world's adventures. I watch my ticker tape with grave and worried face. Millions, billions, trillions. And then, 
with lavish hand, I blithely tear it into bits, long miles of it, and send it streaming through the air like clouds of snow. The fans, the crowds. Here's how I welcome all my heroes home. Thank you, Meredith, George Houston, and the Maxwell House singers for a glorious picture of New York. There's another side of New York that I know, an older and gayer side, that I'll tell you about in just a few minutes. Tell me now, Mr. Arnold. Why, Snooks, where are your manners? Uh, you'll have to wait a minute, Snooks. Why? Uh, because right now there's the tempting fragrance of New York's favorite coffee in the air, freshly brewed Maxwell House coffee, and it tells me a priceless moment has arrived. Yes, Warren Hall is about to serve each and every one of us a steaming, fragrant cup of coffee that's good to the last drop. And friends, wherever you are, all over America, as you pull up your chairs and prepare to join us in this friendly custom, let me propose a toast to little old New York. We pause briefly for station identification. This is Edward Arnold again, and here's making good that promise I made you just a moment ago. New York in another moon. So, on our Maxwell House Good News program, we're ready to present our guest stars for the evening. Darrell F. Zanuck presents the new 20th Century Fox picture, Little Old New York, with Alice Faye, Richard Green, and Brenda Joyce. Here is a story of New York in the early 1800s. In the days before steam, when the harbor was filled with great white sailing ships. The days of carriages and courtly airs, when Broadway was a narrow, unpaved road. And Wall Street was way uptown. Now every story has its romance. The love of a man for a maid, or a maid for a man. Sometimes two men love the same girl. Our story is the love of two girls for one man. One of the girls is Alice Faye in the role of a pretty little spitfire named Pat O'Day. Pat is a trifle outspoken and boisterous, perhaps, but then most of her young life she's been on her own. And now she runs a tavern on the brawling waterfront and runs it most successfully because she knows her harbor and she knows her men. Who is the boy, the belle of New York? Oh, how I wish it was me! <laughs> That's fine, boys. Sing up. And if you want to wet your whistles, I've got plenty of ale. Oh, that's Pat. Always an eye for business. <laughs> come on, Pat. It's your turn to sing. Yeah, come on, come on Pat. Pat. All right, all right. Who is the beau of the Belle of New York? That's it. Who takes her strolling down Bowling Green? Who is the beau of the Belle of New York? Mother, please tell me I'm over 16. <laughs> Who takes her dancing, caresses her charms, thrills to her kissing when he's in her arms? Who is the beau of the Belle of New York? Find him and send him to me. <laughs> Who is the beau of the Belle of New York? Who takes her strolling down Bowling Green? Who is the beau of the Belle of New York? Mother, please tell me I'm over 16. <laughs> Who buys her bustles to dress up her charms? 
gets all her kiss and when he's in her arms. Oh. Who is the beau of the Belle of New York? Find him and send him to me. Ah, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, you're a wonder, Pat. I'd sail around the horn to hear you sing. Oh, thank you. I guess you want the city hotel up on Broadway. How do you know he does? I have some lovely rooms upstairs, sir. Very reasonable. A grand view of the harbor, quiet, restful, and respectable, too. Ain't they, Mr. Brown? Oh, sure. I've been living here for two years and ain't been Shanghai yet. That's more than you can say for some of the other dumps along here. <laughs> well, I'm not looking for anything very elaborate. Um, could I trouble you to show me one of the rooms? <laughs> no trouble at all. Right this way, sir. Well, ain't you coming? After you, madam. Huh? Oh. Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. This is the very best room we have in the tavern, sir. You get a fresh pitcher of water every day, your door locks from the inside, your sheets are changed twice a week, whether you need them or not, and if you ever want to take a bath, just give me a day's notice. I'm sure I'll be very comfortable. Thank you. <laughs> Can I help you unpack? No, I say be careful with that package. Oh, uh... Well, what is it? My proudest possession. It's worth a fortune. Here, let me unwrap it. There. What do you think of it? What is it? New kind of a coffee grinder? A new kind of boat. At least a model of one. Boat? Where are the sails? Doesn't need any. No sails? No. And I warn you, don't get me started talking about it. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm a good listener. But leave that door open. I was only getting you a chair. Oh, I... Well, you see, I hardly know you. My name is Fulton, Robert Fulton. Won't you sit down, Miss, uh... Pat. Uh, Patricia. Patricia O'Day. How do you do, Miss O'Day? Mm -hmm. I'm delighted, Mr. Fulton. Now, won't you tell me more about your thingamabob here or whatever it is? It's a boat. Oh, yes, a boat. Mm-hmm. A boat without sails. I see how it works. You have these windmills here instead of sails, and when the wind blows, the mills go round and round. <laughs> no? No, that isn't quite the idea. The wind has nothing whatever to do with it. Have you ever watched a tea kettle boil and seen the steam lift the lid? Oh, I know it's a tea kettle. I'm sorry, but it's a boat, a steamboat. Oh. You see, first you build a fire under the boiler here. Fire? On the deck? Certainly. You can't have steam without a fire. Oh, you can't, huh? Of course not. Now, here's how it works. This piston is coupled to the crankshaft by this bell crank and that mm -hmm. connecting rod. Yeah. Then this gearing connects the crankshaft to the paddle wheel shaft, mm -hmm. which in turn controls the paddle wheels, which dip into the water and propel yeah. the boat forward. You yeah. understand, don't you? Sure. But, but what makes it go? With the steam, of course. Oh. No sails, huh? No sails. Well, um, how, how long are you going to be stopping here, Mr. Fulton? Oh, until I get my boat built. All I need is someone to finance it. Oh, just someone to... Well, <laughs> well, if you'll excuse me, i I got to get back to the grog room. Bye! Oh, that's in his belfry. But he's such a gentleman. And awful polite. 
There we have one of our pretty maids. And now the other, Brenda Joyce, playing the lovely young Harriet Livingston, whose uncle, the Chancellor, was one of the great financiers of the day. Harriet first met young Fulton at her uncle's front door, though that scarcely describes it. The fact is, they almost collided. Oh, oh I, I beg your pardon. I, I'm a clumsy idiot. Not at all. I assure you it was my fault entirely. Yes. He bowed and smiled. She nodded graciously. She wondered who he was. She wondered for an hour or more while he was closeted with the Chancellor. And then he finally came out again. She just happened to be coming downstairs. You're... you're leaving? Oh, yes, I am. You don't look as though your visit has been very pleasant. Pleasant, madam, but not successful. Oh, I'm sorry. With all the trouble in Europe, everything is so unsettled these days. I'm sure the Chancellor would help you if he could. I'm afraid he hasn't had much return for the help he's already given me. Of course, I, I had hoped that these last experiments might... Oh, then you must be... Robert Fulton, at your service, madame. Oh, of course. Well, I'm Harriet Livingston. My uncle has spoken of you so often. Let me see. Isn't it about a boat or... or something? It's a boat and everything. Well, then if it means so much, I'm sure you'll find someone to help. I wish I were as certain as you. Is it so important? I think so. This, this boat of mine could do so much. It could bring nations closer together, change the world, even change history. If I could only make people understand, make them believe in me, make them believe in my work. Oh, you must. Must I? Well, yes, of course. I mean, oh, it's such a glorious dream. Yes. That's what a man can hope for, I suppose, his dreams and, and someone to believe in them. There is our man and our two pretty maids. One from the waterfront and one from fashionable Bowling Green. And now, if you'll excuse me, this story belongs to them. And I think they should tell you the rest of it in their own way. You're Pat, aren't you? Sure. <laughs> I guess you're that Miss Livingston he's always talking about. You like him, don't you? I never dreamed that you were interested in Robert, too. Well, what's wrong with that? Just because I ain't a swell and don't live up on Bowling Green? Oh, it isn't that. I... Oh, I'm young enough and now I'm pretty, ain't I? Please, I think you're very pretty. I'm sure you must have many bows, but... Well, why do you like him? Well, Mr. Fulton, he's... Well, he's different. He's the first real gentleman I ever met. He don't really belong down there with us on the waterfront. Makes you feel like you've got to take care of him and... Mm, what kind of help him? Well, you certainly didn't help him much that night at our house. I persuaded Uncle to invite some of our most influential people to dinner. Mr. John Jacob Astor, Washington Irving, and Nicholas Roosevelt, hoping that Robert might be able to interest one of them in his boat. And then right in the middle of dinner... I do not like the look of things in Europe, Chancellor. This war between France and England will not do us any good. Uh, Fulton here has just returned from England, Mr. Astor. Perhaps he can tell us about conditions there. I'm sorry, Chancellor. I'm afraid I didn't pay much attention to politics. I've been so absorbed in my work. Mr. Fulton invents things, Mr. Astor. Oh, how perfectly fascinating. Inventing is so much more romantic than business. Don't you think, Harriet? Oh, really? I've got to see him. Oh, I've got to see him, Mr. Fulton. Lydia, come on, now, Lydia. What? What's the meaning of this? Well, I'm trying to stop her, sir, but oh, you... Oh, he just didn't understand. I'm a personal lady friend of Robert Fulton. Pat! Oh, oh, here you are. I brought your boat for you. You went off and forgot it. Pat, you shouldn't have come here. Well, I knew you'd need your boat. If I'd needed it, I'd have brought it myself. Oh, uh, is that the boat you were telling me about, Mr. Fulton? The one you made for Napoleon? The diving boat? Diving boat? Lady, the idea of a boat is to stay on top of the water. You can get to the bottom without a boat. Please, Pat, would you mind leaving and take the boat with you? It's such a strange-looking affair, Mr. Fulton. Won't you tell us about it? Yeah, what's it for? Pat on the uh, Really, I... I... Uh, go on, Robert. Tell them about your steamboat. How did you know, mister? Say, you must be the chancellor. Mm, we're dependent on you. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm sure I'm honored, Miss... Uh, Miss... Uh... O'Day. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present Miss Patricia O'Day, my landlady. I might add my very good friend. Pleased to meet you. Pleased to meet you. Pleased to meet you, I'm sure. Excuse me for busting in here the way I did, but you see, I happened to be in Mr. Fulton's room. Pat! But I was only turning down the bed, and, and I seen the boat. Please, that'll be enough. 
Uh, tell us about the steamboat, Mr. Fulton. As an owner of many sailing ships, I'm very interested. Oh, it's a great idea, mister. It'll run without sails, without oars, without wind, without anything. Except money, huh? <laughs> really, you you must excuse me, Mr. Astor. I, I didn't come here to try and raise money. You didn't? <laughs> you know, I believe I saw a contraption like that in Paris about four years ago. Oh, yes, I conducted some experiments in the Seine about that time. Oh, was that the same boat? I remember they built a big fire on the deck, and smoke and flames and cinders just flew up out of the chimney, and then those big wheels started to go round and round. It made the most terrific racket. And then, the most thrilling thing happened. Uh, what happened? It blew up. Oh. Madam! Excuse me for saying so, but you're a lying old jade. Hey, Duchess, stop strutting with that fan and sit down for a minute. I want to talk to you. Oh, I ain't in the mood, thank you. Hey, what's come over you anyway? I'm getting a little tired of all this play acting. Wish we'd get married so I could knock it out of you. Hmm. Maybe we ain't getting married. No? What's the matter now? How many times have I told you the man I married's got to be refined? All right. I'll put on my shoes. <laughs> Charlie, I hate to do this, but I think it's time you should know. A real gentleman has come into my life. Who, the Chancellor? Now, look here, Pat. I've had enough of this tomfoolery. Oh, it ain't tomfoolery. It's love, Charlie. Came over me the minute he walked in here, and it was mutual. I seen it in his eyes. Whose eyes? Robert, of course. Robert? Fulton? I don't know what I'm going to do with you. I'm afraid that ain't going to be your problem. Listen, you idiot, when are you going to get some sense? Oh, and he's such a gentleman. You bet he's a gentleman. He wouldn't waste time with the likes of you. He's in love with that Livingston girl. Oh, he is, is he? Well, it might interest you to know that he's crazy about me. Oh, is that so? Yes, that's so. Now, look, I'm telling you, You're man. not telling now, me anything. you listen anything. to me. No, I won't listen. Hmm. Guess I told him all right. I guess you told a lot of people. At first, I was afraid Charlie wouldn't build the boat. But he did. Yeah. But he was the only one on the river who would. Folks along the waterfront were afraid of Mr. Fulton's boat. Charlie's old boss, Regan, was the worst of them. He kept stirring up the men by telling them lies, and they'd lose all of their jobs. Oh, I knew there'd be trouble sooner or later. And then it came. Remember that night you and your uncle visited the boat? Yes. Uncle had just gone aboard with Charlie. Robert was standing with me near the carriage. I'm so glad you came down, Miss Livingston. Everything's going beautifully. The seams are all corked, the stack's in place, and we'll set the boiler in place tomorrow morning. Don't you ever think about anything else but the boat, Mr. Fulton? Oh, yes, of course, but... Well, after all, the boat is... The boat. You came down here tonight just to see the boat, didn't you? Well, didn't you? Yes. You see, we were driving by, Uncle and I, and... If you're trying to make me admit I'm a bold, brazen hussy who dragged your elderly uncle all the way down here just to see you, Mr. Fulton, you're... You're right. I did. Miss Livingston. People who kiss me usually call me Harriet. Harriet. And if you do that again, Mr. Fulton, I'll probably have to start calling you Robert. Darling. Darling. Charlie! Charlie! Mr. Fulton! That's Pat! Oh, Mr. Fulton, hurry! What's wrong, Pat? Oh, Regan's coming with a whole gang. There's a lot of them, more than 50. They're gonna... They're gonna smash up the boat. Yes, I can see them, Robert. Oh, if we only had some guns. We can't fight a mob. What's the trouble? Regan and his gang. I expected this. Oh, they're inside the gates, Charlie. Stand back, all of you. Let me handle this. You keep out of this, Charlie. What do you want, Regan? They're going to launch a steamboat for you, Charlie. You'll make kindling wood out of it. Smash out of pieces. Burner. I expected you to try something like this, Regan, and I'm ready for you. That boat's loaded with gunpowder. You lay a hand on it, I'll blow you up the lot of you. Boat and all. Oh, he's pissed. If you think I'm bluffing, go up on that boat. Now, listen, men. I know most of you. I've worked with you. What's this all about? Come on, speak up. Well, it's this here steamboat, Charlie. It'll put us all out of work. It'll ruin ship building. We'll lose our job. And what about us sailors? What are we doing? There ain't no more sailing ships. So that's the story Regan's 
been feeding you. Now listen, men. I'm not even sure this steamboat will run when we get it together. But if it does run, it'll be the greatest thing that ever happened to you and to me and this whole country. We're building this boat for the river traffic. River traffic, do you understand? Tell him, Mr. Fulton. Charlie's right, man. There isn't any river traffic now because a boat can only go downstream and only when she's got the wind. If this steamboat works, it'll go upstream. Yes, upstream. Wind or no wind. That means every little village on every little river will become a port. But every port means more jobs. They'll need more sailors, more stevedores. I tell you, man, America's just beginning to grow. And the only way it can grow is west. This steamboat of mine will open up... Robert, with... look! The boat's on fire! Oh, that's some of Regan's hey, dirty work. Hey, hey, wait! Wait, come back! I was only bluffing! There isn't any gunpowder! Help us with the fire out! There's no gunpowder! No use, Charlie! Those flames are spreading! We've got to save the boiler! It'll take a year to get another one! Only one way to do that. Cut away the trimming blocks. Slide her down the launchway. Hand me that axe! Here, Robert! down to the water's edge. Well, after all, Mr. Fulton, you saved the boiler. Yes, after all. I'm right back where I started from. Then you've got to start and build again. You'll help, won't you, Uncle? I wish I could, my dear. My friends and I have advanced all we can. But we have other friends. I'll see them myself. Sure. And I'll see some of my friends, too. I'm afraid it's hopeless. Don't say that, Robert. We'll manage some way. Won't we, Pat? Hmm. Well, I don't know what you can do, Miss Livingston. But I'll tell you right now, he's going to build his boat if it's the last thing I do. You've been listening to Alice Fay, Richard Green, and Brenda Joyce in scenes from Daryl F. Zanuck's production, Little Old New York. Little Old New York will have its world premiere at the Lincoln Theater in Miami, Florida, January 31st. And will open at the Roxy in New York City, February the 2nd. The part of Charlie, played by Fred McMurray in the picture, was enacted here tonight by Fred Mackay. And for good news, I wish to thank all the participants for a magnificent performance. My congratulations to Henry King, the director, and Raymond Griffith, associate producer. And now here's Warren Hull. <clears throat> who has taught many of us how to get our money's worth when we buy coffee. Oh, thank you, Eddie. Friends, perhaps you've noticed that in some stores, bread that has been on the shelves for more than a day is called day-old bread and sells for reduced prices. Do you know why? Of course, Mr. Hull. The bread isn't fresh any longer. That's why. Exactly. But coffee, that's another of the perishables you buy. Can you judge its freshness by its price? Mm, no, I guess not. In fact... Not until you brew coffee in your kitchen can you discover whether it is roaster fresh or whether its flavor has wasted away because for several days it was imperfectly protected from air. So, next time you buy coffee, remember this important scientific fact. Air steals away coffee flavor. All coffee, ground or in the whole bean, starts to lose flavor as soon as it's roasted, if exposed to the air. In fact, ground coffee, packed in ordinary containers where air can easily reach it, loses as much as 45% nearly half of its precious flavor in only nine days. But how about Maxwell House? Well, we think too much of this superb new Maxwell House blend to let one bit of its wonderful flavor and goodness escape. That's just why we take Maxwell House, still fresh and fragrant from the roasting ovens, and pack it in that familiar blue super vacuum can. No air can get in, so no flavor can get out. Maxwell House comes right into your kitchen with a full measure of fresh flavor and fragrance sealed in, none wasted. Yes, that's one of the outstanding values in every pound of Maxwell House coffee. One very good reason why Maxwell House gives you, Mrs. Consumer, so much for your money. So if you want to enjoy coffee goodness you may never have known before, and all the goodness you've paid to enjoy, ask for Maxwell House coffee tomorrow, won't you?
What is it, Snooks? Do I have to go to school tomorrow? Certainly you have to go to school. Why? Because tomorrow isn't a holiday. And besides, you need plenty of schooling. She certainly does, Daddy. Who asked you? Yeah, who asked you? <laughs> well, I don't want to be a Budinsky, but I think you should be ashamed. Your child can't even count up to ten. I resent that. Snooks can count past ten. I taught her myself. Didn't I, Snooks? Uh-huh. Well, she couldn't do it ten minutes ago. Let me hear you count, Snooks. One, two, three, four, five. Go on. Five, six, seven, eight. Go on. Uh, nine, ten, Jack Queen King. <laughs> what? Eight. Well, that's fine counting. I can see why the child doesn't do very good in school. Well, arithmetic is very difficult for children. But she does great in grammar and spelling. Oh, go on. She can't even spell cat. I can too. Cat. K-A-T. <laughs> well, she got two letters right. <laughs> uh, Snooks, a cat is not K-A-T. K-A-F? <laughs> well, she's not very good at spelling, but her grammar is great. I was waiting for that. Now, I've got a question that I'd just like to put in here and ask you. I want to go home. Now, wait a minute, Snooks. Let's hear the question the big professor has for you. All right. No prompting now, Daddy. <laughs> Listen, Snooks. What's the plural of man? Men. <laughs> How's that? Well, I'm not done yet. Snooks, what's the plural of child? Twins. Guess <laughs> she don't know grammar, huh? She certainly don't. And I know she can't punctuate. She can punctuate as good as you can. <laughs> okay, okay. Snooks, write this sentence down as I give it to you. Uh, why don't you try it too, Daddy? Never mind that. Uh, get ready to write, Snooks. I ain't got no pencil. Snooks, I ain't got no pencil. I have no pencil. Well, if nobody ain't got no pencil, let's go home. Oh, come on. <laughs> Bye, Mr. Wilson. Oh, you can't get nowhere with people like that. All right, Professor. Get back on the stand and play. <laughs> and gentlemen, another very special treat. At least it's a treat to me. It'll be my pleasure to play opposite one of the most beautiful and talented ladies in Hollywood, Claudette Colbert. And of course, all our regular cast, Fanny Bryce's Baby Snooks with Hanley Stafford as Daddy, Connie Boswell, Meredith Wilson and his music, and myself. Until next Thursday, this is Edward Arnold saying good night. <laughs> This is Warren Hull reminding you that leading grocers are now featuring Maxwell House coffee at new low prices. Prices the most modest budget can afford. 
now more than ever is the time to make friends with Maxwell House. And now, good night and good luck from the makers of Maxwell House. A coffee that's now more than ever good to the last drop. This is the National Broadcasting Company.